You are listening to an audio recording from the ministry of Jefferson Town Bible Church in Jefferson Town, Kentucky, where we gather to proclaim God's Word. For more information, please visit jtownbible.org. As we, uh, as we get ready to dive into the class here, we'll go ahead and bow for a word of prayer. And ask the Lord's blessing on our time. Father, thank you so much for the the privilege of being able to uh, share in the ministry of your word. And I, I pray that as we uh, look into it this morning, that you will be honored, that you will receive the glory that you deserve, uh, that hearts will be challenged, that will be encouraged where we need it, uh, comforted where we need it, um, made uncomfortable where we need it. So that, Father, we are engaging people as you would have us engage them, um, and Lord, call them to repentance um, of this sinful state that we're born into. Lord, that we have forgiveness of sin, for uh, the hope of a home in heaven, a freedom from the guilt, power, and oppression of sin, knowing, Father, that we stand right before you because of the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, we just pray that you will be glorified in all this this morning. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Um, in 2 Timothy, uh, one of the things, uh, one of the good works that I wanted to notice in that passage, uh, witnessing itself is not mentioned specifically, but I would think that one of, the, one of the good works that we are equipped for would be that of witnessing. And a lot is said about the Word of God in that particular passage, Matthew, or excuse me, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Just to be reminded of that familiar uh, text of Scripture, uh, which says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. That means it is breathed out by Him um, through the work of the Holy Spirit as uh, He guided those authors to write down these words just as he wanted them, just as he intended them, to say exactly what he meant and how he meant it. That all of that scripture is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God and that person, that one that is a man of God, he, the scripture will be doing all of those things to him simultaneously um, teaching him of doctrine that it will be reproving us as we are sanctified as we are growing in Christ that it, it will be correcting us giving us instruction on how to live rightly that we may be complete thoroughly furnished for every good work and certainly a good work that we need to be thoroughly and completely familiar with the word concerning is that of witnessing. Um, this good work here mentioned, I'm, I'm sure that as I was saying, uh, one of the good works for sure in effective witness and it, it, it is going to be uh, um, knowing his word, that others, that others, drawing others to Christ, telling him, telling them what he has done for you. And one of the things that I, that is going to jump right out at you the more you witness is the need to know the Word of God. And it, it's going to be completely uh, clear, and that realization as you engage people, it's going to be 
embarrassing at times, I would think, uh, whenever we are needing to recall those verses that we need to uh, engage people. One of the things, and that even happened to me one time this week, I was uh, delivering to, uh, to a cemetery. I, I go there on a fairly regular basis, and one of the stones that I delivered had 1 Peter 5.10 on it. And I knew that was a familiar verse to me, but I couldn't, I couldn't recall it. And uh, I tried to, tried to remember, tried to bring those words back to memory, and they looked it up, and they weren't the right ones. <laughs> so it happens. So it's embarrassing to know where to, uh, when you don't know where to find those verses, and it's hard to be effective in our witness when we don't, when we don't know them. If you back up, we read verses 16 and 17, but if you back up to verse 15 in 2 Timothy, we read, you also must be uh, beware, excuse me, that's not, I turned the page on myself. That's the wrong verse 15. Um, going back to chapter 2, not chapter 3. Chapter 2 and verse 15. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. When we know the word, when the word is living in us and coming out through us to the glory of God as we witness for him, uh, it, it helps us to be confident that we stand before him not ashamed because we are confident and clear in what we believe, what Christ has done for us, that we can tell other people clearly and accurately about that testimony and the work that Christ desires to do in them as well as he uses us as ambassadors for him to draw others to Christ. Now, one of the things that we often do, and there's probably a place for it, apologetics uh, is definitely an important discipline. I've taken classes in it, enjoyed it, was edified by it. But it's not arguments that God honors in our efforts to lead others to Christ. The power that we have in drawing others to Christ is the Word of God itself, using the Word of God. It's the Word of God that is assigned that power that is quick and sharper than any two-edged sword. It's it's, that, it's the Word of God that has that blessing on it. It's not necessarily us, but it's the Word of God as it, as we, it lives and proceeds out through us. Uh, it, it's, in fact, we could go over, that's uh, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. It would probably be good to go ahead and even read that verse. Um, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is, and is a discerner of thoughts and the intents of the heart. It's the word of God that has that, not necessarily arguments that, that we can pose and, and clever words that we might have or excellency of speech, but knowing and presenting and using the word of God in witness, that's where the power of the gospel message comes from. Now, one of the things about the Word of God is it comforts as it, as it is living and powerful, as it's sharp. It comforts and nourishes believers. It judges and condemns non-believers. 
simultaneously, it ex- the Word of God exposes deep faith, and it also exposes shallow beliefs along with genuine and false intentions. It's, it, it, the Word of God get, drills right down to the heart and the meat of the matter of what we are, who we are, what we're made of, what the gospel message is, the state of man, the need of man, his need for Christ. The Word of God gets right there. One of the things about the Word of God is that as you live out your faith, <laughs> if you're not annoying some people while comforting others, people probably aren't seeing your faith because that's one of the things about the Word of God. It's not easy for people to hear that they are hopeless sinners <laughs> that are headed to a Christless eternity in hell. That annoys. <laughs> that gets to people. They like to be able to know and believe that they can do it on their own. We like to be our own little gods, if you will, knowing that we are in control of our future when ultimately we are at the hands of of a mighty God, as uh, you remember that uh, it brings to mind that sermon. Uh, they believe it was Jonathan Edwards, sinners in the hands of an angry God. They grab the pews in front of them because they, in fear because they begin to realize that it's by their mercy that they haven't dropped off into hell, that they live and breathe and draw each, each breath. And uh, the Word of God, like, as I was saying, as it cuts to the heart of the matter as it is living and powerful, as it's sharp, and that as it gets to the soul and the heart of each one of us, and it's in our own unique way, um, it will it will get to people. And uh, that's one of the challenges that we face. In fact, uh, I was engaging a guy this week uh, at work, and I had one of those invitations that we have printed out over there and I gave him one and he handed it back and said no thanks (laughs) you know just as just as a small example I mean he wasn't you know he didn't get in my face or anything like that but he was having none of it and uh, I've been trying to do better with that been trying to engage people better there's always even as I stand and I teach this lesson in regards to witness I understand my own shortcomings and need to grow in prayer uh, in study, uh, in, in just general witnessing and the frequency with which I do it, the boldness necessary to, necessary to do it with. Um, while on the other hand, I will say that uh, I've given those same invitations to other people and uh, they received them just fine and very graciously. But that happened to be one of those times when it didn't go over so well. <laughs> uh, the interesting thing is the conversation came about because he was looking, he's looking at moving. And one of the reasons that he's moving uh, is because he doesn't have a lot of friends in the area. He doesn't feel like he has any friends because all of his friends are just centered around work. And I said, uh, I'll tell you, a family you can be part of. You know, and it went from there. And then uh, gave, him the, uh, gave him that, and uh, it became clear that that was the kind of friends he wasn't looking for. <laughs> so, uh, in Acts chapter, going back over to Acts chapter 1, we want to look at what three different people have said about witnessing. Uh, concise, some clear statements in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Jesus himself said, You 
shall be witnesses to me. When we live in fellowship and obedience to Christ, when we are, when we are living rightly, witnessing is going to be part of who we are as we live out our Christian faith. That's just, it, it's inseparable to tell people of the Savior that we serve from living the Christian life. Um, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, reading the, reading the entire verse here, but uh, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the uttermost end of the earth, and to the end of the earth. So it doesn't stop just, I mean, it, this, is, this is an effort that's supposed to be far-reaching. It's not just a command um, with limited focus. This is a command with worldwide focus, that we should have worldwide focus encompassing everyone in it. Now, Peter also said of the, in, on this same subject in uh, chapter 5 and verse 32, And we are his witnesses to these things, and so also the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. We are witnesses to these things. Christ says we shall be witnesses. Peter says we are witnesses to these things. And, also, and so also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. The Holy Spirit clarifies, if you will, what Peter's talking about. As we witness of Christ, the Holy Spirit always points to Christ. As we should always be pointing to Christ. Um, going back into verses 29, uh, in fact, going back up to verse 29, but Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. Obviously, obedience to God rather than men is going to have us engaging people in regards, in regards to the gospel message. The God of our fathers raised up, uh, fathers raised up Jesus whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. Um, that's pretty in your face. And uh, him God has exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. In fact, um, the type of anger that uh, the apostles were on trial for here in this passage, it's bubbling in the world today. It's right here. I mean, it, and at any moment it could... Uh, it could boil over. I think of where Pastor Larry is in Russia and the recent laws that they've uh, passed uh, limiting people's ability to be able to engage others on the gospel uh, with the gospel. I mean, we're, not, we're just a law away from that. One decision away from that. And uh, that type of thing and those types of challenges. But uh, people are people. The same sin that tainted the hearts and minds of these people who were persecuting and putting people on trial and putting Christ to death, that same sin curse lives in us today. We're not far from that at all. And the challenges that they face, we are very fortunate to not be facing them here as others, we, as we've always often mentioned around the world, are facing that even today. So it's, it's prudent. It's even imperative that we ask ourselves, this question, as we think of 
engaging others in our witness. That Pastor Larry's been talking about in this series for some, some, some weeks now. Who will we obey? Will we obey God or will we obey man? If man uh, will be just like Gamaliel, as the passage goes on, he says, uh, you know, hold on, you don't have to kill these people. Because um, as they heard these things, we know in verse 33, when they heard Peter say these things, they were furious. They plotted to kill them. Then, uh, then one man named Gamaliel, he stood up. He was a Pharisee, a uh, teacher of the law. In verse 34, we read, And uh, he said to them, Men of Israel, take heed to yourselves what you intend to do uh, regarding these men. He knew that some in the past had risen. There had been a, a, an uprising as other people had been raised, had made certain claims and been made martyrs and people had, uh, had risen up to follow them and it created a, a bit of a revolt. He was trying to avoid that here in this particular passage, uh, another revolt. If this is, and he basically understood, if this is of God, you can't stop it. If it's just man's ideas floating around again, then uh, it's going to fade out in a short amount of time. Don't make the situation worse than it, than it uh, needed to be. But the critical question that made the difference here on this is that Peter was obeying God. And the witness that he had hasn't ceased. It continues on here 2,000 years later. Um, what an awesome testimony. Uh, the work that we do unto Christ will last for eternity. These are the things that matter for eternity because Christ is eternal because he is God, as we know. In uh, 2, Corinthians chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I want to take a moment and notice what, notice what Jesus said. Notice here a little bit about what Peter said. And then we want to take a moment to look at what Paul said um, regarding this ministry of reconciliation. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I can get my... I need a... I need a Bible that allows me to turn the pages a little better. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18. Now, uh, now, all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Believers simply have this job to do this is our job that we have to accomplish as we are ambassadors and witnesses going back to the great commission there matthew uh referring back to the great commission back in matthew chapter 28 believers have this job to do that job is reconciling men to god by telling them of the person and work of jesus christ what he has done in you as a believer and what he seeks to do in those who have yet to decide to give their heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 19, God didn't only commit us, um, He didn't only commit to us a work, but He committed, we see there, He committed to us a word. And the word is that Bible that you hold in your hand. Um, going on in verse 19, that is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, as, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. 
again, you know, thinking back to what we read in Hebrews about the power of the Word of God, the Word of God here is clearly referred to as the Word of Reconciliation. So, again, drilling down on that fact of the importance of the Word of God in witnessing. We need to have our hearts and minds full, saturated with the Word of God, only to keep our, for one reason, to keep our own flesh at bay, and then as we engage others, to be able to engage them well, to engage them with words that matter, with words that have the power of God on them. That are, that is these words in, uh, in this book, it, which is the, uh, the Scripture, the Bible. Um. We can't do his work without the word of reconciliation. These are the words of reconciliation. It tells us our state. It tells us what Christ has done to get us out of this state of sin. And uh, sometimes it's just simply good to be reminded of that and the power of that. So, you know, one of the things that I I wrote down, I I wrote down this uh, little account of a, of a couple that was that had recently been married, some trouble hit the love nest. The honeymoon was over. Um, they had a close, they had a loving relationship, and um, the wife was always honest with the husband. The husband got used to that. He learned that uh, she always she always meant what she said, and she always did what she said that she was going to do. And then there was that one day. Uh, he sinned against her, and uh, she was she was heartbroken. She was angry. She was disgusted. She told him to leave. She said, "If he ever showed his face again, that she'd kill him." <laughs> it got bad, and uh, so uh, knowing that uh, he had what he had learned over the course of their short married life that she was a woman of her word. Uh, he gets his stuff, and he leaves. He's brokenhearted, and he's got some fear in his heart because uh, he knew he knew her. A few months later, though, uh, she figures out that she's lonely, and uh, she starts considering what she had done, and she realizes um, she was a little too hasty in kicking him out. And uh, she explains this. She's talking to another couple. She's kind of getting their counsel. She's telling them this. And she recognizes that uh, she's lonely. And that, uh, and then in, in considering this, uh, over a course of time, she'd realize that uh, uh, she would forgive him but if, if he would just return to her. So uh, a few days later, that same couple that had talked with her, they're out shopping. They run into this guy on the street. And... Uh, you know, they're delighted to walk up to the guy and tell him and explain to him that his, that his uh, wife had said that uh, she would receive him back if he, would just, if he would just come. But he's skeptical because he knew this was a woman of her word. And uh, she had made no bones about where she stood on the matter. It doesn't matter exactly what, ha- what went on and, and what he did necessarily. But uh, he doesn't return. But one thing that the couple was able to do is they were able to get his address. So because uh, they got the address uh, and uh, he, he consented to that, they were a bit bewildered. 
uh, by, his, by his action. They didn't exactly understand why he did all he did, but he knew in his mind where he stood with her, and he, he felt like he knew her well, so he didn't go back. They go back to the wife. They tell her the story. She reaches over and grabs a piece of uh, a pad of paper right there, and she begins to, uh, begins to write down the letter. She writes down that letter. She puts it in an envelope with his name on it, uh, on the front, and she hands it to her friends, and she asks them to take it to him. She takes that letter, or they, they, they take that letter to him. They were eager to help, so in fact, they made a special trip over to him uh, at that address to deliver the message. They arrive at his door. He sees who they are. They hold out the letter to him. He reaches out with trembling hands because he recognized when she wrote his name on the front of that envelope that that was her handwriting that, uh, that was on there. So he reaches out, he grabs the letter, he opens it, and uh, as he reads it, he begins to melt. The hardness begins to melt. And uh, he's reading a message of love, and then he begins to believe. Uh, he desires her love. He wants it. He wanted to be reconciled so he he returned home that reconciliation began to happen uh, it was completed um, they were back together and the concerned couple here interestingly they as we consider these passages of scripture that i mentioned to you they had done their job they had a job to do they had a job of reconciliation to do with this couple they had a letter of love that they had to, uh, with which to do it. And uh, they were bearing witness to, to what the wife had said to this young man. And uh, we as believers, we have a work to do also. We got a letter of love with which to do that work. This is that letter. This letter has power that no other letter ever written has. And it's ready for you to take up because it has God's signature all over it to, uh, to take to people uh, throughout this world. And uh, in 2 Corinthians, going back to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 where we were in verse 20, um, Paul says, Now then we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. What greater love is there than that? The Almighty God reaching us, <laughs> who has no might, who really honestly has no worth except that which He has given us to have. That we can reach out to others and that he can do his pleading through us to him. That is how he has ordained to do it. And he's called each of us here today to participate in that process that he has ordained to plead with others, to reconcile them to him. That they have that hope of a home in heaven. That they have a word that matters for eternity. That's not just a word that's going to fade away with time. And that's what the things we do outside of Christ do. They just fade away in time. As James says, they're a vapor. Here today, they're gone tomorrow. But uh, we can be part of something that matters. One of the things in this world, I think, uh, as I think about our young people 
as they do things like joining gangs or whatever it is, looking for friends, to have friends for the sake of having friends, regardless of what the friends do. You know, they're looking for a place of belonging. First of all, they should know that they belong at home. And then the second thing is they can be part of a family here. It's a family that just, it's not just a family that matters. It's a family that matters for eternity. It's a family that has an eternal purpose, a hope a, a, of being together, of belonging, of once you belong, there's, once you're in the family of God, you're there. You are part of that family. You're part of that family for eternity. And you have millions of other beautiful people in that family with you, looking to love you and make sure that you know you belong. So be reconciled to God. Implore people. Draw them to Him. Uh, use that word of reconciliation which, uh, which He's given to us to plead to them, to implore them, to on the behalf of God, to be reconciled to, to Him. So, uh, hey, I hope that encourages you. I haven't told you anything necessarily that you, that you weren't already aware of, but sometimes it's good to just take the Word of God and fan the flames of passion a little bit to uh, turn up the heat, if you will, as we consider going out and doing these things, engaging people in these things. And uh, we'll talk about it a little more next week and uh, uh, maybe a little bit on how to do that. One of the things that... Uh, that was most helpful to me, uh, and there's clearly uh, a number of ways to do it. But I think one of the, one of the things that keeps us from witnessing is the fear of not knowing, not having some kind of way to do it, and more so than the 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 way of doing it is the fact that we're doing it obviously in a way that honors God. One of the things that helped me a lot was. Uh, a class I took in evangelism explosion. Man, I remember those two questions to this day, you know, um, as asking people, you know, are, do you feel like salvation is something that you have or are you still working on it? And then we just go from there. Um, uh, depending on what they say, you know, it just, uh, um, I have, you know, going on, I have some good news for you. You can know for sure. Um, Talking about the keys, you know, the keys, this is the key to eternal life. You know, there's one key that fits a door. You know, there's one key, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ that and his shed blood that reconciles us to God. And uh, sometimes just putting some, some wheels on that thing so that it gets moving down the road uh, helps a lot. You know, maybe we, can, maybe we can talk about some of those mechanics next week. We'll see what the Lord has. Anybody got any input on that? Um, we got a minute or two here left before we uh, are going to wrap up this portion of our service this morning. By the way, happy birthday, Ruth. Did I say that already? I don't, if I didn't, I want to make sure I did. She shares a birthday with my son. That's right. <laughs> Just a couple? I mean. All right. Well, with that, we'll. Uh, oh, welcome to the new baby. Amelia, can you? I, I can't remember the name. What is it? Elizabeth. 
Why, yeah. Welcome, Elizabeth. <laughs> We're used to that. Those are joyful noises. They are. They are. I'm telling you, where would we be without the kids coming up? Huh? Um, let's have a word of prayer, and then we can have a break. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity, to again, to be challenged by your word. And I just pray that you will stir the hearts of our our hearts with a, a passion for your word and for the work that you desire for us to be part of. Um, we look forward to what you're going to accomplish as we give ourselves to you and to your purpose. We praise you in Christ's name. Amen. This has been an audio recording from the ministry of Jefferson Town Bible Church in Jefferson Town, Kentucky, where we gather to proclaim God's word. For more information, please visit jtownbible.org.